Hi, everyone. This is Jenny G. Perry, and you are listening to Goddess and Gab. I want to welcome one of my special guests, Pollyanna Brown. Welcome, sweetheart. Thank you so much for having me. I am super stoked to be here. I'm so, it's, it's so excited to talk to you. She's somebody that I know people always think like I like everybody, but there are certain people that I like more than others, and you are one of them. <laughs> uh, we connected last year, and I just like, I, I told I told her before we, we started recording that I feel like a big sister in the way that I've seen such growth in her that it makes me so excited. Like I am like, I'm, you know, I'm your cheerleader for life for sure. But I want you to tell the audience a little bit about you. Absolutely. So I am a storytelling and PR strategist. And for me, everything is really about being who you are. So whether that's in business or in life, it's really about shining your light and being rooted in your empowered self, whatever that looks like for you, and creating life from that space. And so I am a huge proponent of really standing in your truth and not being afraid to speak it, but also finding ways to speak your truth that feel really good. Um, a lot of times I know people can get lost in the speak your truth idea of, you know, that means I have to be mean or that I have to be curt. And it's really about divine self-expression that comes from your center where you feel powerful and you feel grounded. And that's where your strength comes from. So I could not be more excited to be here because Jenny, you are like the embodiment of that. And so that's extremely exciting to me. Thank you. So you're just such a love bug. It's just people probably seriously think this is such an act, but they, they um, <laughs> don't know. There's like, your love that flows between us. Uh, but I think that you, what you're speaking is what I'm feeling is super important in the entrepreneurial coaching industry. I told you, I have gotten so jaded with it. And people, I almost felt like I had to explain myself, which I don't like to do because explaining is training. But I posted about I detest pain point marketing. And then I had somebody, um, and a lot of people echoed that and, and understood what I meant. Because I was told I was doing everything wrong a million times over. And I'm like, I'm not going to poke people in their pain. There's different ways to sell. And, and we're going to talk about your the way you the way you teach it is the way I the only way I can do it because the other way, the pain point crap, it's like, what keeps you up at night? Well, I, I, that just doesn't work for me. I can't write the way the, um, the way the coaching industry was told over and over and over again to sell from a webinar, you know, find their pain point. I've done that. I've tried to do it. And I'm just like, it's, it's like I'm trying to be a used car salesman when I really want to be a showgirl. Like that's just, <laughs> it just doesn't work for me at all. But I, I gave a really, a powerful response from my heart about what that means for me. And I just, and again, going back to the word shame, I think we're in, a, a, you know, right now the divine feminine is on the rise. We're having this, this major transformation that other people are feeling. And in that we can't do shame anymore. Shame is the last generation. This generation doesn't work. They don't even like kids. They don't even, they don't even absorb shame the way our generation did. Like no. you can't shame and guilt kids anymore like we were taught and like, thank God, thank God, even though at times as a parent, sometimes you, you see the value in that, what your parents were trying to do about shame because they wanted you to feel bad so you wouldn't do it again. But like, I never want my kids to feel bad about themselves. And I'm like, no, you're great. You're great. 
I love that. And there really is a difference in kids nowadays. Like they are so much more centered and grounded in who they are and Mm. confident. And that is so, oh my gosh, like my inner child is like having a dance party for them because it was so different. Like in my generation, it was all super shame. And we had two extremes. We had the people who were like me, who were really obedient, became super people pleasers and stuff like that. And then there were the people who were the rebels who were like, "Mm -mm, not doing it. I don't think so. And now there's more of like this balance of, it's almost like, you know, I've seen this and it's so funny where it's almost like, that's cute. (laughs) And they just keep on going. Seriously, I was the angriest people pleaser in the whole entire world. I totally know what you mean. And I'll still post things and I'll be like, I think I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because it's like, you know, that little kid in me where I'm like, can I do that? And literally I posted something. I said to my husband, I was like, can I post this? And he's like, you post worse things than that. But my intention is always to teach. Okay. Mm -hmm. My intention is always of a good energy. And so I know who I am. So like the, I posted something today before the podcast that was really funny and I hope people find the humor in it. And if they don't, I don't really care, but it was like, it was just this piggy like meme. And it was like, on the one side, it's like, like light worker me and it's like love and light and then it was like shadow side money and dicks and I'm like that is so freaking funny and if but see this is me aligning with my truest self because you hear me on the podcast and like you know we're we're girlfriends that are actual girlfriends that can talk behind the scenes in a deeper way and that's just always the way it's going to be you're not going to get you're not going to get the whole entire thing of me. Like people are not going to get the whole thing of me in the public eye. You always have to have a little bit of that separation, but I try to be so close to that girl. So that way if somebody hires me or whether they meet me, they're not like, Oh, I like Jenny better online. I I like Jenny better on social media. Like I would want to puke if someone said that. Now, granted, they probably would come to my house and be like, well, I expect you to have a stance to your house because I have five kids. And like, I'm not in the place right now where we can have nice stuff. <laughs> like, we can't. like when you have a three-year-old, you can't have nice stuff. And I'm more like the type where I like to look cute. And I know you do too with our lipstick fascination. Um, but you know, the, the stuff is not, I'm also not attached to this stuff as my worst, which is, I think a big, big, big thing that, you know, you can't be attached to that. But, but one thing that um, I want to say before we go into mindset and I want you to tell them your transformation because it's been so beautiful to watch. You had said to me that I had star quality. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it really like lit me up. Okay. She said so many beautiful things. Like my heart is still like it's, it's sparkling right now, but I actually was on people.com today. Just one of those silly things that I was scrolling on and Kim Kardashian had the same sunglasses that I have like the same rose gold clay sunglasses that I have. And I was like, boom, look at that. That's, that's where when people look for signs from the universe, don't think they're always going to come like in a feather. Sometimes they're going to come through Kim Kardashian <laughs> on people.com. That's awesome. And it's so funny because Kim Kardashian, for as much flack as she gets, she really is a great symbol of success. And um, it, in our world because she really has built success on being herself. And you know what? Somebody was just telling me that one of the 
one of the thought leaders, if you want to call them, um, had Are you there, Bibbs? Yes, I am there. I'm sorry. It cut out for a second. Yeah, I don't, I think my ear did it. Um, but about her sexuality and whatnot. And to me, we're in the time of this reset that's happening with women and their sexuality, which is actually affects the men also because we all have divine masculine and divine feminine in us. But it's like, you don't get to tell me what's too sexy. Mm-hmm. And, and you on either way. Like, if I'm wearing a turtleneck, I'm wearing a turtleneck, and I want to do this. Like, where it's not this manipulation anymore. So it's like, you know what? When you look at a woman like her, you know, if your mindset is one of that, you don't feel good about yourself, you're probably like, who does she think she is? If I see a woman take a selfie, whether she's Pollyanna Brown or whether she's Kim Kardashian, I am so freaking happy for them. And if they're still working on their self-love and they're doing that because they need to get a boost, I don't really care. I honestly do not care. I always tell people to practice what they preach. But I think that she is unapologetic. And, you know, like, I, uh, and of course, I posted a meme this morning, too, that was like, in a world full of Kardashians, be a Stevie Nicks, because, come on now, worship the woman. Like, <laughs> that vibe, like, that vibe is just so, like, you know, giving zero fucks. Like, she's, Stevie Nicks is Stevie Nicks. And actually, Stevie Nicks, I read, used to take selfies back in the day with a Polaroid camera. And I'm like, see? Like, all these people that want to trash selfies, because she would do, like, different looks and, like, would have fun with it. And it's like, selfies are just an expression of self. Yes. Absolutely. I I think it's a self-vibration. It's like you're celebrating yourself. Aw, I really love that. (laughs) I know, seriously. Um, But so I want you to take... Um, people on the podcast through, because if if you don't know her, I know, like, we're not going to get into her whole entire life and her private, you know, life, but we are going to talk about the mindset shift for her, which can be applied to business and what the bullshit about mindset is. And uh, let's kind of cut through the bullshit of what people think mindset is or how it's a different, it's not one size fits all. No, absolutely not. And for me, it was really interesting because when I first started with really in-depth mindset work, I really was coming from a place of being a victim and facing that in and of itself was really hard for me because I had overcome so much that I was, I felt like I was like the ultimate hero. And when I had to face that my belief system was wrapped up in being a victim, it shocked me. And I had to take a second and like really ego check myself because my, my initial response was, uh-uh, oh no, honey, you got that wrong, uh-uh. And that's, it was absolutely dead on. I was really coming from a space of, you know, people hurt me and, you know, this was really unfair and, you know, I went through this and I've overcome so much and, you know, it was very centered on creating an ego self that was a martyr of sorts. And it's always dangerous when you use a a story or experience of yourself overcoming in life to use as your identity as the overcomer. Because what it does is it really, for me, it set me up to always be that person who was at the bottom and had to claw their way up. Wow. Right? Wow. So let me chew on that for a second. That was big. 
that was really big. That is really, really big because then you set up the dynamic and I feel like I've done that before. That's insane. Oh my God. Okay. You just rocked my world. God. <laughs> so what I had to come from is understanding that the victim and the hero are exactly two sides of the same coin. Because what I thought a hero was is the person who's not afraid, the person who's not hurt, the person who um, everyone kind of looks to for um, advice and, you know, they lean on them and all that kind of stuff. They look to the hero for saving. And I didn't want anyone looking to me for saving. You know, I was really mm. wrapped up in being that victim self and not from the standpoint of I wanted people to feel sorry for me, but I didn't want them to feel like they could take from me because I had felt mm. so drained from all of my experiences. And so that was really a, a moment of decision for me where I had to look at it and say, okay, what is a hero genuinely? And all a hero is, is someone who has experienced life and refused to be defined by the things that happen to them and rather defined by the choices they make and the person they choose to be. And that's it. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. The victim is defined by their experiences and the things that happen to them and forfeiting the responsibility of how they respond, how they choose to act. And the hero is really all about that personal responsibility and not giving away their power just because someone tries to take it. And that was really hard for me because I came from, you know, a lot of abuse and a lot of, you know, stuff like that, that was really um, difficult. And it, it was funny because I had every excuse in the world to play the victim. Um, and I had actually had um, a, a therapist um, who was a, a psychologist. She looked at me and she said, it's amazing that you're not like in an institution right now that you're actually functioning in a healthy human being and that you're doing so well. And it hit on me like at that time, it was before I understood the victim thing that I was coming at life from. And I got such a high off of that because someone was validating I'd been through so much. All these people did these horrible things to me. And that was accurate. That was true. I'm not taking away from that. But I was allowing myself to be defined by those traumas instead of being defined by my resilience, my strength, and my true self. Mm. And so that was huge. So when I realized that a hero has all the same feelings as a victim, like they're still afraid. <laughs> they mm -hmm. feel like crap sometimes. And they, they are, you know, flawed. A hero is not perfect. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Can right? I get an amen? Yes. I love like, that. A hero is really, the, the biggest difference is a hero takes action when they don't feel like it. When it's mm -hmm. hard when it's scary, when, you know, it feels like the world is against you, you say, you know what, 
I have to at least try. I have to create my life. And that space is completely different, especially when you take the responsibility of my life is my life. And that's really where mm-hmm. I get to. Before it was, you know, um, and especially this goes to childhood and, you know, teenagedom and all those things where I did have a lot of experiences that were very difficult um, and that were very traumatic. But I was so wrapped up in that identity, I didn't give myself the responsibility and the ability to take control of my adulthood and say, I'm Mm. not doing that. I'm not repeating that. And so I came from this very broken space of, I will show them instead of, Mm -hmm. I will be me. And that was the big difference. And so when I made the choice, when I realized I was playing the victim, which was very hard for me to admit, I realized that I was sharing my story of trauma and struggle in order for people to have a positive response to me instead of sharing my story of triumph so people could have whatever they needed out of it, right? Mm. And that's totally different because one is totally from that place of um, ego, which victim is much more rooted in ego than hero-ness is. Um, and hero mentality is much more about, you know what, this is just who I am and you can take it or leave it, but I hope you take something awesome out of our experience together. And that's really, Uh, yes, I love that. Yes. I, it's like a standing in your power versus needing to receive from others or, you know, that, that type of dynamic. I know exactly what you mean. And so, and, and I, and I love even the way, um, just this, like I'm chewing on this whole thing because it's so, it's just like such a beautiful energy that you just shared with us because that overcomer, I, you know, I think that those of us, like, we like that underdog energy. Like it's, I swear it's like watching too many eighties movies. Like we always got to like keep doing that versus having a life of ease. Absolutely. You know, that needing to overcome it's like, Oh, I fucking hate that because it, again, cause you have that roller coaster and, you know, the idea of obstacle, and actually, I'm kind of tired of the word blocks anymore, because I feel like sometimes we need to change our language to change our brain, which is what you just did, like, you, by changing the way you talk about something, because concepts get stale, and so you have to look at it from a different angle. That's why we'll, we'll never run out of authors, we'll never run out of influencers and thought leaders and all that kind of stuff, because you need to hear things different ways. Yes. At different times. And so you had said, before the podcast too, that now you've become really great at manifesting because I think you got really clear on who you were. That's a big thing. Because I think people are trying to manifest the wrong thing. Well, and here's the thing that I really learned that impacted everything I did. I was always a fantastic manifester, but I was so wrapped up in, you know what? I am more worthy because I've been through more trauma that I created extra sexual assaults, which is really hard for me to admit because there's so much egoness that shows up for that, that is like, no, you know, but I, I can say for me, I'm not saying this for anyone else. For yes. me, mm-hmm. I created extra trauma 
because I was so wrapped up in living out this particular cycle, which is someone would hurt me, right? That was independent of, of me. Um, someone outside of me, someone who was either an authority figure or was supposed to be someone I could trust. It was always that situation. They would hurt me in a deep way, whether that's physical abuse, sexual abuse, whatever it was. And I would create that over and over again, because what would happen is I would get through it. I would be, I, I would heal it. I would feel really solid in who I was. But I would use that as this is what makes me worthy of the next thing. And I would always want people to view me as that person who overcame, right? And it was so different because I wanted validation for what I went through that I was, I was worthy of more than that. And I wanted to hear you didn't deserve that. I wanted to hear it wasn't your fault. I wanted to hear, you know, um, you are more and better than what you've experienced. And because mm. I was wrapped up in that, I kept creating more scenarios that escalated and escalated and escalated. And it came to a point where I had to say, okay, do I want this drama filled story that is my life? Or do I want a life of peace and adventure that is more entertaining than the trauma ever could be? Mm -hmm. And that's and ease. absolutely. And that's the big thing is because I, I've been in storytelling since I was itty, 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 bitty. And so my entire life was wrapped up in what's the next big story? What's the next big drama? And always yeah. bring it out. Um, and so not only did I come from that from a writer, but also a performer standpoint. And when I was in acting school, one of my professors had typecast me the victim. Mm, how funny. Right. And I was like, oh, wow. And so I was always being given these roles that were these emotionally tumultuous roles. And for me, I'm such a feeler that I felt everything so deeply as if it were completely yes. full happening to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That I couldn't shake it at the end of the day. And I just That's dug an for you. <laughs> yeah. And so all of that kind of culminated in this experience where I had to say, wait a second, why have I been creating this? And this was my defining moment. I, when I played the victim, I felt like I was getting profound love from other people when they would give me attention for it. Yep. That was the big thing. And I was like, when that popped out of my mouth, when I realized that that's what I thought, I went, oh, wow, there's the problem. I, I literally could feel that when you were saying that. I was like, you were looking for love. That's, what, that's why people play victim. Mm -hmm. it's they're loved because it's like that pity, that love, it's, it's jaded. It's why you have the sick one in the family, the poor one in the family. It's, yes. a, it's a way to be loved, but now you gave that love to yourself. Well, and it's interesting because for me, it was a big shift of, oh, wait a second. That's not love. When I had to realize that's not what true love is. And it, it's, it's sad because I think that we have a very limited vocabulary for a lot of feelings that feel very similar to love. <laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy? We should have multiple levels of love. Because I, some people even have a hard time saying love. Like, yes. 
even and and I would have this issue when when people would say love ya and then like no say I love you because the love ya it was like even like a diluted version of that it's just funny how language is like especially if you're an empath because you feel the word (laughs) exactly and so it was so different and I kid you not, that same day, um, I was doing a lot of expansive work. What I realized for me that really worked was one, owning my stuff. Like that was huge for me. Owning that I'd been playing victim, which was Mm -hmm. very hard because it feels like then you're giving everyone an excuse to have hurt you in the past. And that's not it. Yeah, people misunderstand that victim. It's not saying that it didn't happen. It's just not allowing that person to still abuse you energetically by going back. And it's almost like re-traumatizing, which people don't realize that they do when they tell their story. Absolutely. And that's why I always say, when you share your story, you need to share parts that are at least healed out of victimhood. They don't have to be healed completely, right? There can still be some emotion there. But if you come at it from the standpoint of victim, you're re-traumatizing yourself and you're alienating your people because they can feel that energy and they put up. Oh my God. And you will know if you haven't healed it. Like I, I will only share about something if I'm on the other side of it or detached from it. Because if I share something when I'm in it, I get so triggered by people where like, where it sounds like you're talking down to me or like, you know, feeling sorry for me because I hate pity. And because I've grown out of that victim, you know, where I, I was like, I could have gotten an Oscar award like, for, for playing victim. I was good at that shit. Like I was teased as a kid. Like I know exactly what you mean, where I many cycles where I was the, the, the one who was hurt. So that way people had to feel sorry for me. I mean, even girls in high school, you know, like that kind of stuff, not really in high school, but middle school. So I totally, that's what, when the, we connect in so many different ways and, and on so many different things. But I totally understand, and I think that people need to learn this this idea of what a victim is because it's like um, they they definitely misunderstand that you're saying like even even when you were explaining the fact that you attracted the the um the trauma to you. This is very controversial with law of attraction, absolutely. Because because listen, life is not black or white. You can follow a whatever kind of cult or not cult or whatever you want, but you have to feel into a truth for yourself. And the idea of that people attract things is never from a blaming state. It's from a state of, of looking at your vibration and your mindset. And if you think that this is like the dumbest example, but to me, this, this is an example. So, and why things happen to little kids, I don't know. And I don't have to understand that. I don't have to understand that because I don't get it. That's beyond like, that's just weird. But I do know <laughs> that there are people that it came out of these horrible things from their childhood that would not be the people that they are now if they had not gone through that. And I know people, it's the same with cancer, but your mindset is so powerful in that, like, I honestly think that people are very kind to me. People are always trying to be helpful to me. People like me. And, but then, you know, if I say that people are assholes, then wherever I go, I will find the asshole in the room mm-hmm. because that is what my thinking is. And I, I do, am I, do I have a perfect mindset? No, I'm still working the kinks up, but we're always going to. And like you and I talked about before the podcast about like, you know, with, um, or no, I guess we talked about it on the podcast. We talked for an hour before, so that's why. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, it's the Tony Robbins is that like, 
once somebody gets to a higher level, just imagine Oprah's mindset, how to change when like she first had her network and it wasn't doing that well. So it's like, there's no level that you're going to get to that you're done. Like that just, it doesn't work like that. You constantly will be having to tweak your mindset and expand your mindset. Yes. Like once you make a million, you got to expand it to, you know, make a billion. But one tip I want you to give them is, um, is to give the audience is one tip for manifestation and then one tip for storytelling marketing. Absolutely. So one of the things that made a huge difference for me that really cemented this was that night, because for me, mindset was all about doing things that made me uncomfortable. Um, for, I know a lot of you don't know me who are listening to this. I had extreme social anxiety and I remember. Yes. Yeah, it was bad. I hadn't left the house for months and mm -hmm. you didn't even want to go to Starbucks or anything. I remember. Nope. And it was funny because I was in Austin at the time for an event and I cried the whole way to the airport. I begged my husband not to make me go. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, you will be fine. I believe in you. We already paid for it. You're going. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so hard because his eyes were welling up because I was like, please don't make me go. And Aww. so I cried the whole way there on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got there, I had to get a rental car and I hadn't driven a car for real in a, like 10 years. So mm -hmm. I was in a new city that I didn't know in an actual city and I had to drive. I pulled over at least twice on the way to my hotel and cried the whole way there. <laughs> and so then I was like, okay, I did that scary thing. And then I did other things. We decided I was going to have an adventure when I went. So we scheduled um, a flying on the water experience for me. It was called Aquafly. It was amazing. Essentially, they put like a jetpack on your feet and you fly on the water. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow. And um, then I went, um, what's that thing called? It is not parasailing. It's not hang gliding. Ziplining. That's what it is. I went ziplining um, one of the days in the mountains. And so I had to drive to all these places to actually go. And I had to give my, I had to make sure that I didn't give myself an excuse. So the first one mm. with the Aquafly, um, the guy kept giving me an out. He's like, if you want to stop, we can. And I had to say, no, I'm going to keep going because it was hard. It wasn't easy, but it was super fun and really empowering. Mm. And same thing with zip lining. I was running late and they called me and they said that they wouldn't still be there when I got there. And I could turn around and go back and I'd have a perfectly good excuse right? They told me they wouldn't be there or I could do my best to get there anyway. And I ended up getting to go. And so mm -hmm. for me, that was really empowering because when I talked to my husband, he was like, I am so proud of you. And I didn't think it was possible to love you more, but I love you even more now. And Aww. that hit me so hard because I had just realized that playing the victim made me feel like I was receiving profound love. But I didn't even understand the amount of love that I was ready to receive when I was willing to put that down and really push my boundaries. Mm. Okay. And that was the secret for me. Um, so for, for breaking through your mindset and then for yes. the manifesting part. 
for the manifesting part, mm -hmm. for me, what really worked is because I am, like I said, I'm super emotionally connected. And so what I would do is I would write out um, like my perfect day, top to bottom, and really feel into it. Like I would. But now, what if you think? So, but, but here's the thing: is that so? Two things that I'm already hearing from the audience that their objections are going to be is one is the lacking of clarity of what that looks like, so they're afraid mm -hmm. to ask for it. Three things actually. So the one they have to get past is the thinking that like I don't want to try to manifest because every time I try to manifest, I get disappointed. The second thing, the second objection would be clarity. I don't know what that looks like, which is just a block. And the third part is like, how big do you want them to dream? So like my perfect day would be like in Hawaii and Oprah's on the show. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like how big do you allow them to dream in that space? Because I look at it as like a rubber band that you can practice both, both like something that's a close reality and then something that's like way further. So what, what would you say to them with the three objections? I would say the very first thing is if you don't have clarity, manifest clarity. Like that's your focus because all clarity. That's so good. Girl, you're on fire. <laughs> you know, with clarity, what really happens is you need to calm down emotionally because I know for me, when I don't have clarity, what I've created is I've created an emotional space where I choose overwhelm over calm. And I'm allowing everything to be bigger than it is. And so for me, I have to bite, I call it my humble bullet. Um, because for me, I talk to myself a lot differently than I would talk to someone else. So like, I wouldn't say this to someone who's like, you know, coming to me sobbing. I wouldn't be like, bite the humble bullet. No, no, no. But for me, that's what I have to do because I have to say, look, I've been in this situation back here and I thought it was the worst thing in the world and that I would never be able to get out of it or overcome it and look at where I am now. And mm -hmm. that is the difference in these problems and being able to see that I've overcome this back here that I thought was insurmountable. And I've created this new life where this problem pales in comparison. It's a lot easier to calm down when you realize I can get through anything but I can't get there from the same mindset that I was in when I created this problem, which is from Einstein. Um, you just, I, yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's because so, I just, go ahead. You're rocking, you're rocking my world because I just had an aha that you just pushed into my brain is that I think I've been addicted to stuck as well as many people have been addicted to stuck as a comfort zone. Stuck is a comfort zone. So you say, you say your issue is lack of clarity. And I'm totally outing myself in, in this way on the podcast because I think that people can learn from that, that I'm being honest and being vulnerable. Um, and I told that to you in private. But isn't that, it's like, so they say they lack clarity, but it's not actually lacking clarity. It may be that they're addicted to stuff because they don't want to move forward. And that's their comfort zone. That's a big part of it. One of the things that we get wrapped in is we get wrapped in the things that we tell ourselves. So for example, if you keep saying, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I don't have clarity, well, you're not going to get it. And that's, okay. the thing that's really hard is you have to be willing to say, you know what, right now, 
I am creating a space that works against me. So I'm going to go do something else because the subconscious is and, a really cool thing. And also what I'm clear on, like focus yeah. on what I'm clear on. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of like, for example, if let's say you're trying to get clarity on the direction to take your business, right? Like maybe you're trying to choose between um, writing a book, being on a TV show or coaching, right? Like which of those things do I do? Well, if you don't have clarity on what you want, focus on what is it that I don't want, right? Mm -hmm. And come mm -hmm. from that standpoint, because one of the things that's really hard is to say, you know what, I'm in this quote unquote negative space. So let me push myself into a positive. It don't work like that. Right. Great point. Mm -hmm. So if you can say, you know what, I know that I definitely don't want this, then you just got even more clear and you're moving your way towards that. So it's like reverse engineering. So it doesn't always have to be clarity as I think a lot of people think that all of a sudden they should have this aha, this uh -huh, yeah. big moment. <laughs> Heavens open up. Yeah, exactly. And it's not always that way. And always, of course, leave space for that. But it's not always this you know, divine intervention download aha moment where you go, oh my gosh, that's it. Right. It's a lot of times this really subtle knowing that you go, mm, that's it. Got it. Mm. Move forward. Mm -hmm. And it can be as simple as, you know what? I don't know what I want, but I know I don't want that. So I'm going to take a step away from that. And, sometimes and that's a good thing. That's so law of attraction too. Like yes. look at the thing that you don't want as a gift. So now you know what you do want. Absolutely. It's <laughs> taking a step away is also taking a step forward. Mm, I love that. It's just in a different direction, right? Absolutely. Like that's really, that's just what it is. Well, I want to say what I'm clear on is what I am clear on is that like I read energy very well. I'm very connected. And like you said with the empath, like that's a gift and a curse. A lot of yes. empaths get agoraphobic, have issues with driving. I know I've never driven in a big city. That's one of those things that it's a, it's almost like if you look up empaths, that's what we're, that's what our picture looks like. You know, <laughs> it's certain things because we're so affected by other people. And what what I'm feeling is I'm feeling super clear that I I'm literally lit up today with the fact that you said very nice things to me and everything. But I am so happy that you are doing so well because I was with you energetically in the space that you kept making yourself wrong and you were so focused on the negative and what you didn't want and, and what was wrong about you and what was wrong about everything. It was like you weren't seeing this beautiful person that I was seeing. And then I watched, it was like a shedding that happened. That's what I feel like energetically. You shed that story. And as you shed those layers of the story, like that's why the manifestation, manifestation was happening because you shed anything that was blocking that from happening. And that's where this is the thing. You don't have to have an answer about this because I think that this is, this is a tricky one. Is when people want to manifest things, say it's money or say it's, you know, a, a big gig. It's not always just self-worth because people try to make it simple. Oh, if you loved yourself more, you'd have more of this or that. Yes. There's conflicting beliefs that you might have, but that might not be in it. Because look at the Real Housewives and shows like, you know, where people don't like themselves, they have money. So it's just a matter of like, what is your conflicting belief? So one of your conflicting beliefs would be, I don't deserve 
this. Or a conflicting belief with money could be that I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to have a ton of money because I don't want to pay taxes or I don't want to have to be responsible for it or people are going to want money from me or there's poor people starving in Africa. Like there's a lot of conflicting beliefs. So it's really, I feel like your key to manifesting is like really getting clear inside of yourself and like finding what the core desire is, not just what you think you should want. Like you should want a private jet. Like you, maybe you don't even want a private jet. Absolutely. To get really clear on the desires. For me, I'll tell you exactly what it was that was holding me back with money specifically is I, as being that victim self, I thought that not having money not only garnered me more love, but it also garnered me more attention and special privileges. So Mm. what that meant is for me, um, I have been paying off my student debt. My student debt is $250,000. So that's a lot of debt to carry around. And so I was going from forbearance to forbearance to, you know, income-based repayment plan. So if I all of a sudden went to middle of the road instead of millionaire, then, oh my gosh. All your money would have to go there. Right? Right. All, All your money would have to go there. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was for me it was a big, it was what I was getting out of it. And that's really the thing. If you're having a hard time manifesting what you actually want, you're getting something out of not having it. So what is that thing? And it's really important to be honest. I had to face some truths that I didn't like. And I, that's the real, that's the real inner work though. That's, that's the, that's what the shadow side work is. Absolutely. Is, is your, your side that, and some of that isn't even stuff that you're going to necessarily get rid of. Like say, for instance, like if you've been told that you're too loud or whatever, like, you know, growing up, maybe like acknowledging that and owning it is part of the work too. So the shadow Mm -hmm. side is very tricky because it's like many aspects to it. But I know that we, um, we could talk for forever. I want you to give them one tip of storytelling because, um, I, that's your zone of genius. So tell them one tip about storytelling marketing and then, um, how they can work with you. Absolutely. So for storytelling marketing, a lot of times people want to tell a story linearly from beginning to end. And the problem with that is the beginning isn't very compelling most of the time. You really want to start where it's interesting. I call it starting in the action. That's, it's a screenwriting thing. You start in space. So um, are you familiar with Breaking Bad? Did you ever watch that show? I, my husband watched it, so I know, I know enough about it. Okay. So the opening scene for Breaking Bad, when it first came on, was this man who was driving an RV in his underwear with the gas mask on through the desert and crashes, right? That's action. That's like, what is going on? And it hooks your audience because they want to know more because you just gave them something really interesting that's different. And that's really where your personality gets to shine is you're sharing that action. So sometimes that's a conversation. Sometimes that's someone saying something to you that really took you aback or, you know, really changed your world. Sometimes that's an action, like an actual action that, um, was really different. Um, 
And so you have to get clear on where is that heightened action and then giving yourself permission to then give them the backstory and go back and forth so that they can really feel into it and be there with you. Because mm. in the beginning, you're not really attached to your story, you know, and it's just the mm-hmm. nature of it and that's okay. But if you start from the space that you're emotionally connected to, that's really interesting. There is an actual study that was done that the more a speaker or writer is emotionally feeling what it is that they're talking or writing about, it lights up the different sectors of their brain and it lights up more of them. And the audience, when they're listening or reading those words, will have the exact same sectors light up when they're... Mm, that's a great... That's a great point because I think that we, like, I'm just going to say razzle-dazzle, but we've been, you know, taught in the coaching industry and entrepreneurial world, like, you got to razzle-dazzle, got to use the right words, you got to hit the pain point and all this, but really you're telling them, just bring them in to your story and feel the truth in your words and don't make it about the specific words, but the energy behind the words and the emotion. And the other thing that I would follow up with with that is make sure your story is about them. And I'll explain what that means. A lot of times, because we've been told, share our story, share our story, we get lost in our story and what it means to us. And really, when you're showing up to serve your people, you need to make sure you're sharing the pieces of your story. I always talk about it in micro story form, like one experience at a time versus like your whole lifetime. Mm -hmm. Making sure that that's, story is helping your people with something, helping them through something, helping them understand something, making it a parallel to an experience they've had or an emotional parallel to an experience that they've had. Something that serves them because sharing your story is wonderful and profound, but if it doesn't change something for your audience, it's not serving its actual purpose. Mm, That's a good point. And and I I think that's something that comes has come easily to me in the way that people have seen themselves in my, in my words, which is really good. And that's why I've always related to the reader in me above anything else. Like that's who I associate myself with, because it's also like, if you, if you've always kind of felt like you didn't fit in or like there was always like that trying to fit in, you can become your own best friend in a way through your words. And I always feel like writing makes me become more of my own best friend, connects me deeper to myself. Like you have no idea what potential you have until you start writing and you're like, damn, this is good. This is good. Like this is coming from it. I just like, obviously the loves of my life is writing. And I know you totally understand what I mean. And some people it's, it's some other thing, but yes. So that just totally, totally lights me up. Well, thank you so much for being on here. I, I, I'm just so happy for you. It like brings me, like the greatest joy to just see you thriving and you gave us so much to think about like so much to really delve in and and don't be afraid to look within and be honest with yourself because then once you once you feel it and you're like oh man shit okay I got that going on it can't run the show anymore once you bring out the shadows Absolutely. And don't be afraid of the shadow. The shadow is really power and when you balance it with your light it keeps it in check. So you don't have mm-hmm. to worry about going to the dark side. It's really there to support you and 
and be there for you, just like your light side is. So for me, delving into the shadow was everything. Well, and, and that's where your inner child lives. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it, it's in the subconscious. And, and why, I never thought that I would do so much inner child work with people. But I can't, because I was like, in a way, I was like, it's so cliche. Everyone's like, oh, about my childhood. And I'm like, get over it, you know. But then I would be like, energetically just would connect to it. And I would see like in their chakra, I would see it in their chakras, but I would see it in their story. And I was like, this is so wild. It goes back to this. And what I, one thing I loved to let people feel is okay with themselves, that they weren't crazy, that they weren't weird, that they were always right all along and that they could trust themselves. Because I don't want people to trust me about themselves. That's, that's sick. So I want them to like, you know, find what their truth is and stop seeking it from someone else because no one can tell you your truth. You are the one who knows your truth. You can feel your truth. And while other people can inspire that and they, they can give you an aspect, a puzzle of it, they can't build the puzzle for you. That's your work to do. Absolutely. So tell people how they can get in touch with you, work with you. Absolutely. I would love to. So if you want to reach out to me, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email at Pollyanna at PollyannaBrown.com, which is also my website, PollyannaBrown.com. And I also have a free Facebook group. If you're just looking for some free support that can really help you, um, which is Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash story master. Great name. Um, okay, thank you so much. I'm going to now um, end out the recording in a very loud room because that's just the way my life is. <laughs> but, but thank you so much, everyone. This is Jenny G. Perry, and you are listening to Goddess and Gap. See what I mean? Super loud. <laughs>